It was a Friday. It was my whole family was home because we'd been snowed in. And I saw that number from the healthcare organization. I saw it pop up on my phone and I thought, this is it. And they told me I was so distraught. They actually had to call me back and let me collect myself because I knew in that instant that this could be really bad. And shortly thereafter was diagnosed with Hey, Alan. Katie, how's it going? Good. How are you? I am doing well. Super excited about our episode today. And I know that there's going to be a lot of different emotions today. And, and just a couple things I want to say to, to set the stage, and then I'm going to turn it over to you. Throughout our time on this podcast, we, we've been real and raw it's one of the things that I know that I especially appreciate about our time together, Katie. Today's going to be an excellent example of that. The other thing I will say in setting the stage is the power of story and in the power that can come from all of us telling our stories because we all have stories worth telling. So, Katie, I'm excited about today. I want to turn this over to you so you can set the stage for what we're going to do today. But I know I am very excited, and I want to encourage all of our listeners to listen to the entire episode. If it's something you don't do, please make sure you listen to it all this week. Hey, can we stop right there? I'm like, okay, my first thought when you said that, Alan, was like, who doesn't listen to the entire episode? What kind of slackers are out there? And then I remembered that you only read half of a book. And so it's right. it's you, the kind of slacker mm -hmm. that's out there. <laughs> you know what? That's really unfair of me, Alan. Just throwing you under the bus, using my own nerves as letting my sarcasm get me in trouble once again. But agreed. I'm super excited about this episode. I think to give a little bit of context for our listeners is that we are recording episode 21 today. And I don't remember the specific statistic, but like only a certain percentage of podcasts actually make it to episode 21. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that felt like a moment of celebration. You have encouraged me over these past few months to celebrate specifically. And the way I wanted to specifically celebrate, besides the fact that we're going to dinner tonight and celebrating with food, I mean, hello, that's mm -hmm. like the obvious choice. But I wanted yeah. to celebrate by sharing some of my story. And you had said earlier, and you really taught me this and modeled this for me, and, and so has your wife about how important our stories are to who we are and just taking a minute to actually be here in this moment. My story is going to give a lot of background for my why, like why am I in this space? Why are we doing this podcast? And why am I so committed to really partnering alongside other women, especially women who are working who are in healthcare and or like high stress, high demand jobs. So I already feel like I'm talking too much. So Alan, I want you to interject at any point. Mm -hmm. I don't want today to be all about me, but here goes. All right. So when I think about my why, why am I here? Why am I doing this podcast? I think about who I was five or six years ago. So picture... It's 2017, 2018. I was 
38, 39 years old. I was a tenure track assistant professor and I had two kiddos. They were 2017, they would have been six and eight at that age. So if you've spent any time with six and eight year olds, they need a lot of attention. (laughs) (laughs) They need Mm -hmm. to be fed. (laughs) They need help with homework. They need encouragement. They need mom. But also I was in a high demand, high stress job where I was needing to achieve and to perform. Some of that was put on me by my job, but some of that was also put on me by my Enneagram One perfectionism. And at the time, I was really trying very hard to perform and achieve at work, but also perform and achieve at home. I wanted to have that, I don't want to say perfect home life, but I wanted my kids to feel like they had a mom. I was also co-chairing the auction fundraiser at my kid's school that was supposed to bring in thousands and thousands of dollars to support the school budget. Are you getting a sense here for what my life looked like at that point? I I am picturing a backpack, Katie, and every one of these things is is a pretty sizable rock that you're adding to the backpack. No rocks are being taken out. They're all being added to. I'm curious as you're describing this, what that felt like in the moment as you were doing all the things you described. That's a great question. I want to start though by saying what I'm feeling in this moment because you've taught Mm -hmm. me as a coach that our somatic, like how we feel, really can tell us a lot about what's going on. And even just recounting that stress, like I can, I can feel it. I can, it takes me back to that moment where I was not getting enough sleep. I was still exercising because don't you know me, I was still training for some type of half marathon or, or something like that. And, but I wasn't getting enough sleep. I wasn't, I was giving away, we've talked about this on previous episodes, I was putting myself in the way back of the line. And what I want to talk about specifically today was a specific part of my health that I put in the way back of the line. So I knew at that point, I was 37, 38, so I knew I was at a little, a slightly higher risk for developing breast cancer because of some family history and some other things that I had going on. So I'd been getting screenings, I'd been getting mammograms and taking care of myself up until this point, but I was so stressed in 2017 trying to make both of these perfect worlds in work and home that I I started canceling my mammograms. I can tell you that day where I was on the phone when I said, I am too stressed, I have too much going on to go to this Mm -hmm. screening appointment. Yeah, Katie, a couple things as you're talking, and I'm hearing the word perfect or perfection, personally and professionally, here, that that is a driver for you in in this. And you're also describing, and you're going to describe further, the cost Mm. in making those decisions in, I'm too stressed to go to my annual mammogram, a choice. Mm -hmm. And so... I'm curious, as you're continuing through this process, the the mindset you had, 
we talk about as leaders, we have mindsets. As healthcare professionals, we have mindsets. Absolutely. Where the mind goes, so goes action. So I'm curious as you continue to unpack this, Katie, give us a, a continual sense of the mindset mm. in making those decisions as you go through this, this journey, if you would. I love that you asked about mindset. And I wonder, in the context of being a healthcare professional, if the mindset was also a sense of like duty and dependability, I have been given, I had at that point been given so much. So many people had mentored me. My parents had invested in my education. I mean, I had a PhD, professional license, all of these things that pointed to you've really got to, you've got to show up here, Katie. Also, I feel very much like I'd been blessed with this family. You know, I'd had friends that had struggled to have families or, you know, and I had an incredible spouse and partner and I had everything I needed. So the mindset was responsibility. The mindset was this is, this is what it looks like to be dependable. And if at the end of the day you're in the back of the line, well – that's just how it is. Katie, let me, I want to add to that because I'm hearing in there also the, this motivation, the, these core motivators. Let me ask the question this way. What was your fear if you weren't responsible in the way you just defined it? And I appreciate how you articulated what that practically looked like. What was your fear if in your own words, you were irresponsible? Mm. Oh, man, we're going deep today, Alan. <laughs> Nowhere way to go. Yeah, my fear. I mean, I think it comes back to a little bit of my um, Enneagram, you know, looking at at some of how I'm I'm built that way. But I think my fear was letting people down. It's that facade that we've talked about on past episodes. It's It's that lie that if I don't do these things, I'm letting people down. But in the reality, I mean, the cold hard truth is that by not taking care of myself, I actually did end up letting letting people down. I mean, that's a hard reality that I've I've done the work and I've worked through that. But again, we're talking today about my why. And if I could help someone else kind of see through this lens of like putting yourself at the back of the line, that is actually not a way to not let people down. Katie, I, I want to let you continue the, the story of you're, you're the process of, of not going to your annual mammogram screenings. I'm too stressed. I'm too busy. And I love how you gave us the mindset. Continue to walk us through your story because I think it's very important for, for people to continue to recognize as they're listening your story and how it progressed. Great. Thanks, Alan. So fast forward a few years, we made a move across the country, again, in a space where just wanting to make sure that everyone else is taken care of, my family, my career. And when I made another appointment, I finally turned 40. And I was like, okay, every most women know that when you turn 40, regardless of your risk, that's when you go in and get your first mammogram. And so I was like, all right, this is the year. 
And I scheduled the appointment for April, the year I turned 40. Well, that also happened to be the COVID year. And so that appointment got canceled. It got rescheduled for August. And it just so happened that it was on the one of those first days that my kids went back to school. And so my kids are going back to school and it's COVID and you know, this is not the point at which you ask someone else to pick your kids up from school. And so I canceled that appointment too, because it was scheduled. I wouldn't be able to go pick up my kids from school and make it to the appointment. So here I am, I'm 40. I still haven't done the appointment. I turned uh, 41 that next January. And I, in January, I wrote out, and I know we're going to talk about New Year's resolutions on a future episode, but I wrote out my intentions for the year. And I wrote out number one was to get a mammogram. Two through 10, I don't honestly even know what they were because I never made it to those other things. Actually, that's not true. One of them was to run the Oklahoma City Marathon, and I did do that. But I made that appointment. I went in for a mammogram, and shortly thereafter was diagnosed with invasive ductal carcinoma, otherwise known as breast cancer. Katie, I, I want you now to describe what that was like when you found out the news. And I so appreciate how you've, you've led up to this stage and walking through your journey, the decisions that you made. And, and the thing that strikes me is you were doing really good things. Mm -hmm. Such good things. In making the choice, right? This wasn't Katie not doing her job, not serving her patients, her family. No, no, no. We're hearing how, Katie, you've done so much in serving so many other people and serving them well. We celebrate that. I want us, though, now to shift into what that was like for you and your family when you found out that news. Mm. In short, it was crushing. It was literally like a weight had been dropped on me. Just like anytime people get bad news or some significant thing happens in your life, you remember those moments, right? And it was a Friday. It was my whole family was home because we'd been snowed in. <laughs> and I saw that number from the healthcare organization. I saw it pop up on my phone and I thought, this is it. And they told me, I was so distraught, they actually had to call me back and let me collect myself because I knew in that instant that this could be really bad. I had lost a friend to breast cancer probably five years prior to that. So I had seen, I had walked to this road. I had seen this. I knew that yes, this could be okay because my mom had had breast cancer and she was fine and, and my, you know, lots of people I knew. I mean, but in that moment, all I pictured was my kids living a life without me because I had put myself at the back of the line. Because we know that breast cancer, if you catch it early, is very treatable. So I had to sit and live with that. And one of the things that I learned about breast cancer is that you don't find out, like they called me that day and then I didn't actually meet with an oncologist or a surgeon for another week or two. So you mm -hmm. have that time to just really, really think about things. 
then you got to tell your family and manage all of that. Did I answer your question? You did, Katie, and I, and I appreciate you sharing all of this. And the theme that we've talked about that comes back around to each of us is do I end up being sacrificed in the process of sacrificing? And, and so, Katie, I, I appreciate how you've brought that to light. And I'm now curious of what that was like sharing that with your family. Mm, that's a great question. I wonder if some of it comes down to like personality and like my own story. I do not like being blindsided by information. I do not like people sugarcoating things. And I do not like people holding, probably like losing all kinds of <laughs> respect here. I don't like people to not tell me something to try to protect me, if that makes sense. And so I came right out guns blazing, like telling every, every, anyone and everyone, not sugarcoating, just dropping the, the bombs everywhere and said, you know what, y'all figure this out. And of course, everyone responds differently, right? And, and so if I, I mean, it's funny that we're, and I don't mean to be like kind of smiling and laughing, but I probably would go back and maybe be a little more tenderhearted towards folks, but I was hurting. I was in a bad place and I kind of sort of needed people to be in that bad place with me. Yeah. We talk a lot about the self-awareness, knowing ourselves to lead ourselves to lead others. And Katie's given a great example of her awareness and how she responded to some devastating news. And this is so valuable because as you mentioned, Katie, we may respond in different ways. People may respond to that news in different ways than we would. And I appreciate how you brought that to light and recognizing that others might not have taken the news the way you did. Katie, I, I now want to shift to something you just mentioned of you've now found out the news you've shared with lots of different people. What then was the, the response and or what did you experience from others? This could be family. This could be individuals outside of your family. Mm, that's a great question. To be quite honest with you, the first thing that bubbles up for me is thinking about how my healthcare team responded to me because they were such an integral and incredible part of my journey. But thinking about family and friends, I can, I can tell you because I was very connected in my community, both in my work. Again, I'm that person that's <laughs> always giving out. So I had a community at church and at work and in my neighborhood. And people just came out and supported me like nothing I had ever seen before. So that is that was a huge blessing. Katie, one of the things I'm struck by what you just said we take in context as healthcare professionals giving and receiving. As healthcare professionals, we give every day. We serve our patients. We've talked about that. Katie is giving a great example of the and here. She received excellent care, many things from other healthcare professionals. What was that like, Katie, for you as someone who gives? You've already articulated that in, the, in your story already. What was it like to then be on the other side of it in receiving that care? I'm sure you know what I'm going to say is that it was hard. 
Mm. It was also very hard as the provider mentality. You know, I normally would have the provider mentality to be in the patient's seat because I was not in control. I did not have all the information. I was not the one driving the bus. But that was what was so important is that my healthcare team, yes, they were the the healthcare professionals, the oncologist, the surgeon. They needed to know what they were doing, but they also brought me in alongside them and treated me like I was part of the team. But yeah, it was hard to actually be the one receiving the care, for sure. And this can be a, a challenge for us as leaders, as healthcare professionals, if we're used to receiving, used to giving and struggle to receive. Katie gives a great example of, okay, what that was actually like. I, I want to now transition into your actual treatment. So now you've received the news. It was a week or two later you said you met with your, your oncologist. Walk us through what the treatment itself was like for you. Yeah, so the the interesting thing is that because we didn't know a whole lot about the tumor, you know, we didn't know going into it what this was going to look like. So the first thing you do is you meet with a the surgeon. They talk to, talk to you about options, and, and you have surgery right away because you got to get that cancer out. you got to get that tumor out. So I had surgery, spent a night in the hospital, had to take a, a week, a week off of work. And then you get your information back from the surgery. And it's a coin flip. It was a coin flip for me. Either this cancer could have spread to my lymph nodes or not. And this cancer could have invaded like my chest wall and other parts, you know, spread elsewhere or not. So <laughs> this isn't really an important detail, but, but I kind of like to, to share it because I think it's important in this day and age with electronic medical records on my son's 11th birthday, I got a notification on my phone at 5.30 p.m. that my results from my tumor, and I'm probably making all of our physicians cringe, or my tumor panel or whatever they call it, basically the diagnostics from the surgery. And I found out that, yes, it had spread to my lymph nodes, and yes, it was very close to my chest wall, like within a, a millimeter. It had to be within a millimeter for it to be considered close. And it was, it was, it had not invaded the chest wall, which is good, but I didn't know that. And so it's 530 on my kid's birthday. And I have no, I have no one that I can talk to, to tell me <laughs> this isn't as bad as you think it is, Katie. Mm. So because it was in my lymph node, because it was close to my chest wall, we did decide to do eight rounds of chemo. I spent the summer of 2021 doing chemo, four rounds of what's called the red devil. It's pretty much the most terrible chemo. It makes you super sick. And then I did 30 doses of radiation that fall. And I rang the bell December 3rd of 2021 to be done with nine full months of treatment, surgery, eight rounds of chemo, and 30 doses of radiation. Katie, in the midst of that, I can't even imagine all that you endured what was what was something that you learned from that experience? Something mm -hmm. that maybe you didn't expect from that experience? I mean, as a healthcare professional, again, on the other side, 
walk, walk us through like what your mindset, things that you learned in that process. Oh gosh. I mean, how much, how, how much time do we have? I think probably I can put that into kind of two, maybe three main buckets. One is just really knowing who I was and what was important to me. I mean, this was literally like a stop you in your tracks, reevaluate everything about your life. One of the things that it's funny, I'm now thinking about that appointment we had with my surgeon. She was the first provider we met with. And she was lovely, got to know me. And as we were making decisions, I kept asking her, well, I'm I'm training for this marathon. The Oklahoma City Marathon was in October that year. It's normally in, in April, but because of COVID, it was in October. And it was March. And I was like, but I'm training for this marathon. When, can I still run a marathon? And I'm sure my husband was like, oh, my goodness, Katie. Like, <laughs> you have, like, a really serious condition and all you're worried about is running. But, yes, all I was worried about was running. And so the surgeon was like, you know what, let's just see what we're working with here and then we'll decide. Well, then I went and met with my oncologist and I said, once again, if I do chemo, I can't run a marathon. So I'm not sure I'm going to do chemo. And she looked at me and she said, Katie, why wouldn't you want to run a marathon? Why wouldn't you want to cross that finish line? Like, well, why wouldn't I? Can I? And she said, yes, I will work with you. We will work around this and we will support you in this. And so, dang it, I did. I crossed the finish line at the Oklahoma City Marathon six weeks after that last dose of chemo. I was bald as all get out, but I had my personal best and I had just an amazing team of people around me. But having that thing that I knew that was supported by my team that was important to me is, is probably one of the biggest things that I learned about myself. Katie, describe what it was like for you crossing the finish line. In, that, in the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon that year. I would be very curious as to what thoughts were going through your mind that last half mile, quarter mile, and then crossing the finish line. Yeah. The word that just came to me was gratitude. I was so grateful. I was so grateful to still be alive, to still have a body that could move, to, have, to live in a place where this is something that I could do, to have a team who was behind me. It was honestly just pure, pure joy, pure gratitude. One of the things you said again, and, and I, I want to circle back to it, is you mentioned your team. Your team was there. Though you were running, you had a team that was supportive. And so describe for us a couple things in particular mm -hmm. that that team, whoever you want to include in that team, yeah. helped you throughout the process. Yeah. Uh. You know, I, I think just the fact that every time I went in to see my oncologist, she asked me how the running was going. My radiation team, literally going into radiation was like having a little mini Katie Elliott pep rally every morning. They, I miss them. I mean, I still actually talk to a couple of them and they, and they follow my running because they're runners too. And we connected over that, but I even had one of them wipe my tears one day. I got, a, I had a little emotional moment during radiation and you're kind of locked into a position and she came over and, and, and wiped my tears for me. And I mean, that's a side of healthcare that I, because I had never really been a patient before. That was a side of healthcare that just renewed my hope in, 
in healthcare and in these people who are taking, and I think maybe that's part of my why too, is I want to pour back into this community of people who are just completely um, pouring their lives out um, for other people. Katie, one of the things that that keeps coming to my mind, and, and it goes back to an episode or two we've talked about in the past, is perspective. Mm. And you gave us a great example of your perspective as a healthcare professional prior to being the provider for others. You're giving us now a perspective of you being in that position of receiving and the appreciation and the difference in perspective that came from being on the other side. Mm. And I couldn't help but be struck by how powerful that is. And I appreciate you sharing that because I think it is so important for all of us, whether we experience something like Katie experienced or not, the value of having different perspectives mm. and how that can impact us as, but one example, healthcare providers. Mm. Mm. It's so good. Katie, so now, you know, we're, we're two years-ish, you know, past. What has it been like the journey of the last two years? Walk us through what that's looked like for you. Mm. Well, I would say I put myself a little further towards the front of the line, Alan. I looked at... I really evaluated what am I doing to take care of myself in a way that ultimately will take care of other people? And, and how can I make that mindset shift? And I will tell you, I'm not perfect at it. In fact, I have a doctor's appointment on Monday and I really, it is finals week. I'm like, what was I thinking scheduling this appointment? <laughs> it's finals week. It's afternoon. I do not have time for it. But I'm like, no, this is how we got ourselves into that situation before. You do have time for it. You do have time to sleep, Katie. You do have time for community building. And, and if you don't, then you need to take a step back and look at how you're going to put that in there. Katie, I, I appreciate what you just said because I think it's an important point. This can still be difficult to do. Mm, mm-hmm. You articulated that, and I appreciate that honesty. You still have a choice. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've got too much going right now. Finals week is a crazy week for, for us as academics. And, and yet, you're making that choice. And, and I appreciate how these things can still be difficult choices to make. Yeah, thanks for acknowledging that, because even just hearing you say that, it was like a little pat on the back. Like, yeah, you're doing the hard thing, but you're doing the right thing. And I think the more we can remind ourselves of that and, and make that the norm, like how can we make taking care of ourselves the right thing and not, and not the negative, not being negative about it. Katie, let's, let's shift slightly here for just a second. I'm curious how your experience in the last few years, as you, as you walked us through such a powerful story, how has it impacted you as a healthcare professional, mm -hmm. as a provider? Wow, that's a great question because 
I've had the incredible opportunity to see firsthand some very patient-centered, kind, caring, high-quality patient care. I've also seen a few times where, and this was really not the norm, but where that wasn't provided. And being able to walk in the shoes of someone who sees that the little details that one of the funny things about about me, well, my full name is Catherine, but no one ever calls me Catherine except for people who want money from me or my mom. And no one ever called me Catherine during the all of my treatment. Everyone called me Katie. It was in my chart, and they took the time to actually see, oh, she, this is the name that she goes by. That was a small but very important and very touching aspect of the care. So it's that that patient-centeredness. It's that taking that extra time. It's talking to me about what I want. And that as a healthcare provider, it's like we know those things on paper. We learn it in school and we know it, but actually getting to feel that true impact of being listened to, being cared for, it has forever changed my opinion in my my practice. Yeah. I, I'm really struck by the relational connectivity you're describing. And like you said, little, not insignificant mm -hmm. steps, the intentionality and how much of an impact that makes mm -hmm. on, on each of us. And those healthcare professionals had a choice as well. Mm -hmm. I could simply call you Catherine and move on. Mm -hmm. The intentionality and in going, no, it's Katie. And making sure to call you by your name and the impact that has. It's a great example for all of us as healthcare professionals who are very busy. We have so many demands on our time to not take that time to call people by name. I can be just as guilty of that because I'm in transaction mode and I need to get things done. Yes. If I take that extra moment or two to call that person by name, the impact that makes is very significant. Yeah. Katie, as, as you now look to, to your future, I'm, I'm curious, based on your experience in this story, what has that done or is doing in you as you look to potentially your future? Mm. You know, I think one of the things that it's unlocked in me is a deeper desire to really, truly engage with people in a meaningful way and not just a transactional, get it done, you know, home life, work life, how much can I produce? How much can I achieve? And I am still doing great work. It's just the lens through which I see my work is much, again, more relational. It's much more interruptible. I was not that person five years ago that if you interrupted me, I was not here for that because I had stuff to do. Mm -hmm. I work on it. There might be friends of mine listening going, really, Elliot, you're still a little interruptible from time to, from time, to time. Sure. But, but working on it and making that shift and really working on my presence. Yeah. Katie, you've given us a lot of great lessons you've learned. 
I'm wondering, are there any other lessons that you've learned throughout the process that you want to share with our Mm -hmm. listeners? I think probably the last thing I would say is when we talk about motivation, you know, we talk about motivation a lot on the, on the podcast. There's no perfect motivation. I think when you walk through something like this, you really do just have to take it one day at a time. Some days are great and some days really stink. And even with, you know, kind of like cancer survivor or some people call it like being a cancer thriver, I still have days that I'm like, you know what, that really stunk. And other days I'm like, you know what, that provided a lot of blessings. And so I think as far as just being open-minded and kind and not looking for that perfect, you know, my new favorite phrase is progress over perfection. And just taking it one day or one season at a time and seeing who you're going to be on on the other side of that season, it's really, really worth it. And there can be some really good stuff there. Katie, I, I want to make one final observation because I met you in, in the process of this. Mm-hmm. And so I've known you two and a half years, mm-hmm. roughly. And I remember, I think the first time I met you, you were in the midst of, of chemo. You were in one of our, our groups. And one of the things that struck me, and I, I didn't know you had met you before, was the, the joy and the enthusiasm and the passion you had in the midst of what you were going through. And I remember being especially struck by that. And I, I didn't know any of the background or anything, but I, I was sitting there going, wow. I can only imagine what you're going through and what I'm noticing and experiencing you in real time really was, I mean, it was inspiring. Mm. And then being able to see you in, in this journey to some degree, more and more as of the last year or so, continuing to see that joy grow and build, mm. it is a very inspirational piece. And the, the last thing I want to say is thank you for sharing your story. This is incredibly courageous for you to share. Mm. And one of the things that we really have, have strived to do on our podcast is, is to be real and raw. And, and that was the other thing I was struck in your story, Katie. I mean, you, you talk about the highs and the lows and everything in between. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. And that's courageous and I hope that it inspires others. It in, has inspired me. Mm-hmm. And every time I hear pieces of your story, it is such a reminder to me of so many of the things that you said and the lessons that we can all take from that. So thank you for the courage in sharing, your willingness to be vulnerable and transparent. So, so appreciative of that. And so Katie, I'm going to give you the final word, mm-hmm. anything that you want to share as we wrap up our episode. Well, I think in the spirit of joy and gratitude, I am going to put that right back on you, Alan, and say thank you for um, being my friend and colleague through this journey. And thank you for asking some really good questions today. I think what you were able to do is just really bring this story out. And I hope that in some way, this touches our listeners in a way that inspires them to approach 
their lives through this lens of gratitude and joy. So thanks, Alan. You're welcome. Such great reminders for all of us. Yep. All right. See you next week. Okay. Looking forward to it.